Hello everyone, how we doing? So this episode of the Incremental Gains podcast, wow, what can I say about the guest this week? Coach Dan John, over 40 years worth of experience in the strength and conditioning industry, working with NFL athletes, track and field athletes, MMA athletes, you name it. He's probably worked with them. He's an author of over 14 published books, hundreds of articles on his blog, on T-Nation website, a vast amount of experience in the strength and conditioning world and training world. Um, you'll probably notice when you're listening to this or watching it, I'm a little bit giddy, a little bit excitable. That's because... I first read Dan John's book, Never Let Go, around 2013, and it changed the way that I thought about lifting, and we discuss it in the podcast, movements over muscle, rather than training like a, a bodybuilder when I'm not genetically disposed to building muscle and having that physique. It changed the whole way that I looked at training, training mythology, lifting weights, and not just that, but incorporating the training into a greater philosopher, a greater life philosopher. But he goes into much more detail on the podcast. Anyway, I've babbled on long enough. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And improve on yesterday, every day. Thank you. Pleasure and a privilege and, a, and an honour to invite um, Coach Dan John on the podcast today. I really appreciate you, appreciate your time, Dan, coming on, and it's a, it's going to be a oh, absolutely, today. absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, going to be a hot one here in uh, Utah, high desert. Uh, I don't. Our our weather has been going up, going up. Oh, hot, it's getting hot. I tell you that. Yeah, we've had a few nice days recently where it's been really hot. And now the weather's took a turn for the worse, and now it's raining again. So really, where I am up near Manchester, St. Helens, it's no two days are the same. No, no, no. Uh, when I was there, it uh, we had a beautiful day for the wedding. The next day was just, I mean, it was the monsoon weather. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we, we sat and we had uh, high tea. I remember that delightful day. Yeah, right. absolutely delightful. Yeah, I've never seen so much. I've never seen so much food in my life uh, for a snack. <laughs> Most food I've ever seen for a snack. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you can always count on Manchester to be to be wet and rainy, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're good. Let's let's get let's get cracking here, so we get a get everything taken care of. Brilliant. So, um, I read your book "Never Let Go" in 2013. At the time, I was 32 years of age. I'm 39 now. Um, prior to reading the book. I was into Flex Magazine, Muscle and Fitness, doing bodybuilding kind of workouts. I'm not genetically disposed to being a bodybuilder. I'm six foot four, I'm about 90 kilograms. I've not got the genetics at all, but that's the way I trained. That's the way other people train in the gym and I just copied off them. So I read your book in 2013 and it completely changed the way I approached training. Something clicked, something resonated with me. The first, I think it's the first essay, One Body, One Piece, something something clicked. And ever since that has changed and influenced the way that I approach life, some of the philosophies that you use, and the way I train as well. Wow. Well, thank you. I, I, it's, it's strange uh, how popular that book is. Right. Uh, the San Francisco Examiner, a major paper, called it the best fitness book of all time. And I was like, wow. Because for me... Um, it, and I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because a lot of our listeners, uh, in theology, we call it a steno symbol, where they have, if I say I'm lifting weights, they think bodybuild. And I, I could even say I'm lifting weights to be a better high jumper, and they'll think bodybuild. And being a better high jumper, you don't want a bunch of upper body mass because of this thing called physics. But it doesn't matter. The listener is still going to hear bodybuild. Yeah. And... The, I come from a generation um, where 
weightlifting meant sports improvement. Weightlifting meant, you know, uh, trying to get a, a bigger engine for your sports. Uh, weightlifting meant uh, competition. And then uh, in the mid 70s, of course, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jane Fonda, and some others, uh, weightlifting became, weightlifting went down the rabbit hole of just that one part of what we do. Right. And, and then, of course, at the same time, powerlifting uh, went ahead of a popularity, basically because of the bench press. And now we look back over, oh, that 40, it's funny, it's 40, I'm about to say 45 years, but it seems like it was yesterday to me. <laughs> uh, and uh, we, we realized that we've really gone, I would say, backwards uh, in many ways, sideways at best, backwards probably more correctly. And you're right, though, and, and the information you get from those magazines is so skewed towards selling supplements that you you always felt like you were wrong, right? You'd read it and well, if I just had that machine, if I just had that supplement, and dude, it's like you said, uh, Dave, uh, it's it's genetics and it's drugs, and <laughs> and if you have if you have enough, if you have good genetics and you're willing to shoot anything into it, you can look pretty good, yeah. but that's not going to make you a very good discus thrower. Uh, I've often laughed, you know. I do the Highland Games, which is not far from you. And, uh, you know, a new guy will show up and he'll be in his little, he'll be in his muscle shirt with his beautiful shoulders. And, his, yeah. you know, he's got, a, he's got that little thing going down his bicep and his girlfriend will be there and she'll be all dressed up. And they think that they're going to beat me, you know, here at 63 years of age. And, uh, and I crushed them because they look good and you you as a fan would pick them out at first but they're not designed to throw shit far mm -hmm. you know uh, their training does not allow them to turn cavers or to throw cavers. and so uh that's it's i'm glad you brought that up uh, you, got, you got a little dog issue yeah just bear with me sorry Dan. all right no problem She's been she's been quiet all day, and it's sod's law that as soon as I get on a Zoom call, she starts barking. Well, I have a dog who believes in the same thing too, so it's all <laughs> sorry to interrupt you, Dan. Are you okay? Let's move on. So uh, um, another thing that really really stuck out to me when reading the book was, and it's something you've, you've sort of briefly just covered. Then was movements over muscle, so not having these sort of Frankenstein body part splits. It's concentrating on movement rather than right. I'm doing biceps today, I'm doing chest today. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that. First off, let's develop that first. So okay. um, the author of the book, Anatomy Trends, uh, Thomas Meyer, made a point that I think is really important. He's, and it's, I think it's really important for young coaches, and I would even say every listener, stop thinking there's 600 muscles. Start thinking there's one muscle and that one muscle is sheathed in fascia, or fa we say fascia, fascia, fascia. Yeah, it, there's, there's like three translations of that yeah. word. It's like uh, when I was young, I was taught that it's vase, vase, or vase, depending on the price. So if you have a body like mine, you have fascia. If you have a body, a beautiful body like yours, you have fascia. <laughs> You're more expensive. Yeah. But his idea that you don't have 600 muscles, you have one muscle housed in 600 different places. Right. And okay, so we'll start there. The problem with that, and by the way, it's Frankenstein's monsters training, okay? Uh, so, Dr. Frankenstein was fine, this is monsters. Most people think uh, about being in a collection of parts. You know, I, I have arms, I have legs, I have, and then, then they break it down, I have deltoids, I have triceps. It's really going to be hard to throw the shot put far if you try to throw it like you're doing a skull crusher. Yeah. In fact, I can guarantee your elbow won't be around very long if you try to compete with that. Um, and so one of the things I try to emphasize, and now I've got it down, and never let go, I think I break it down in eight or nine, but I realized over time that I really didn't believe in most of it. So really now I just say push, which is separation from the environment. Right. And uh, so if you're getting into a fight, uh, you know, down there in Manchester, 
between two uh, football hooligans. When they push each other apart, that's a push, okay? Uh, when you bring the environment to you, that's a pull. And then there's the two, the most powerful thing you can do in your body is hinge, which is uh, what you do for standing long jump or deadlift. And then there's squatting, and then there's loaded carries. Push, pull, hinge, squat, loaded carry. And as a strength coach, that's all I focus on. Now, <clears throat> obviously, and obviously from there, we, we break it down into all kinds of different things, but I'm trying to get on the hinge, the squat, and the loaded carries because those are the money makers for performance. Uh, push and pull just keep you healthy. But right. most people, most of your male listeners probably think it's all pushing. They will do 237 pushes a week, 25 pulls, and never do a squat to save them. Right. And then they wonder why they're always sore and their shoulders are broken and, and why they don't perform really well in real life. Dave, I'm 63, but if you got to move a couch, I'm still your man. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm the guy you're going to call. You look at your little buddies with the big biceps and triceps and go, nah, nah. Oh, Daniel will come over. He'll do it. <laughs> so that's... Uh, Movement, not muscles, to me is as obvious as uh, well, it's, you know, the, the sun rises and you know the sun rises and sets. But when you talk to people in 2020, when we talk to people now, it, I, I actually have to almost have uh, I have to do what I just did. I have to reintroduce the body to them, and, and it's odd to say that. It is a little bit odd to say that. It's like. Huh, how do you not know this? You know, but those two ideas, those two ideas, the the one body, one piece and movement over muscle. I mean, at the time, it might seem obvious now, but at the time when I was 32, the, the idea that the mind is part of the body and the body affects the mind and all these things work as one. Like I think I think you've used an example where if you think the bench presses isn't a whole body workout, if you stab me in the leg. You're gonna you're gonna know about it. <laughs> yeah. If while you're bench pressing, I'll take a fork and stab it in your calf. Then tell me if it's just an upper body lift. Yeah. Good. We might kill you, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's interesting how when you said that, my mind went in so many different places. But you know, we're we should here in the United States take our lockdown much more. As we're, as we're talking, COVID is raging, and it's going to come back with a vengeance probably next week, the week after. Right. And we also have all this civil discord going on, and rightly so. Uh, Black Lives Matter, and we've got to we've got to get rid of we've got to deal with racism here in the United States. Uh, sorry, that was political, but I had to say it. But the reason I bring that up is that if you're sitting in your house all day, uh, you're unemployed because you got furloughed or laid off. Uh, you're worried about um, where, how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to get food on the table for your kids. Your kids are going crazy because they've been locked down for two and a half months. You don't think that's going to affect your bench press and your squat? <laughs> well, of course it is. Uh, yeah. So I believe that. I mean, it's 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 what we're supposed to believe if you truly studied Western civilization. Mind, body, soul, spirit, it's all one thing. Now, you could not believe in it. If you choose not to believe in the soul or spirit, I'm fine with that. But even people who are atheists understand what I mean about the, the one piece. Um, I call it the Lees. Mentally, emotionally, physically, socially, all those Lees impact you. You break up with your girlfriend, it might not be a good day to snatch, uh, Olympic snatch. Uh, might be a good day to deadlift, but not a good day to snatch. Um, if you're having financial, there's another Lee, financially. Yeah. If you're having financial issues, uh, it's going to change uh, how you approach your workouts. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 to me, it is, to me, it's a little obvious, but I, at the same time, um, I, I just have to say that I had a very good, academic background in what we call the United States the great books programs. Right. So I was taught at a very young age to read, discuss, discern, and dialogue with the great authors, you know, sometimes just in my head and very often a small group. 
So when I say things like this, it's just, it's just natural for me. But then I have to remind myself, what's true in great books has got to be true in the weight room too. And in your work environment. And in, you know, if you're working with a bunch of people <clears throat> who are workaholics and only care about profit, you might get caught up with it. You'll also find, you probably might find yourself losing your friendships, maybe losing your wife and uh, you know, your spouse and children. So I, I see it going from every aspect of your life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to, I want to touch on the, the deeper philosophical sort of ideas just a bit later on towards, towards the closing. But um, yeah. so once, once I approached this one body, one piece and movements over muscle, I started to look at some of the programs in the book regarding, um, I think the first program I started to look at, because I went back to basics and I started looking at the Southwood protocol. Oh, I was doing yeah. that okay. and that led me to complexes. So I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about them. Just, can I just let the dog back in again first before we get onto that? You can do anything you like. She reels a roost. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. My, uh, my dog, Sirius Black is, uh, He's, he's certainly part of the family, but there are times when he decides that my podcast isn't very important. Yes. <laughs> That's the dog's well, name, is it? Sirius Black? Yeah. He's named after a, a, a godfather, a, a very famous godfather. <laughs> yeah. He is, a, he is a delight. He's a pound puppy, and he's a, he's a member of my family. Um, so I was very lucky when... I went to Catholic schools uh, up until what we call here in the United States high school. And then between that, there's a thing called junior high. Mm -hmm. And I met coach Dave Freeman there and we did a program and I couldn't believe how, I mean, I had been lifting weights for a few years. And so it was really, you did a set of eight, you did followed it by a set of six, you followed by a set of four. And if you got all three reps, next time you went up five pounds, uh, about two kilos or even one kilo if you guys, if you had the bar for it. Um, of course, where you live, you probably do things by stone, huh? So, uh, right? Stones and kilograms. Well, I tell you, there is nothing more fun than teaching at St. Mary's where one student tells me something in kilos, the next student talks in pounds, and then the third one says stones. And by the end of my time there, I can, I know exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> well, he's tense. Pardon me? That down in Twickenham, where you, you teach it. Yeah. yeah. And I got to tell you, folks, if you get a chance, go to the Hall of Fame, uh, the Rugby Hall of Fame in Twickenham Stadium. It is well worth, I think they charge a 10 for it, but it's well worth your time. Yeah. And if you drop by St. Mary's, uh, they have one of the best track and field libraries in the world. All it right. is stunning. It's a great athletics library. But, um, and the four exercises in the Southwood program uh, are the power clean, the military press, the front squat, and the bench press. Now, I say that, and I'm thinking back, you've got a room full of 12, 13, 14-year-old boys in some cases, all power cleaning, all front squatting, all military pressing, and, of course, the bench press, which has just become uh, – we were back – then the bench press was a newer lift. Oh, and what was amazing about it, it pardon me? I was just saying, all right, I didn't realize that the bench press was quite a new, a new uh, lift. Relatively. Of all the lifts you do in the gym, the bench press is probably one of the newest. All right. The, the bench press probably shows up at about, well, many people credit the Notre Dame strength coach, one of the first strength coaches, a guy by the name, he was a Catholic priest by the name of Father Judge. Some say that he invented it, but some say actually that he, since he was German, he brought it from his hometown in Germany. But uh, Rocky Blyer, here's, this is Rocky's book. So he's an American football player. Rocky trained with Father Judge. And uh, so the exercise might be 70, 80 years old. Uh, whereas things like the clean and the overhead presses, they would go back. I mean, no one ever invented those. Mm -hmm. Those are those are those are in the mists of time. Uh, that's what people did the first time they saw a weight on the ground. So, yeah. So the bench press is probably the newest exercise there is, 
And I got to tell you, in my experience, it can be the most worthless uh, um, because, you know, it doesn't necessarily turn the problem. In terms of performance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it certainly has its place, but it's so easily over-exaggerated, overdone, overused that it, 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 it gets in the way. Uh, by the way, real quick, I never program males with bench press or arm work because males will always do bench press and arm work. <laughs> I never program female stretching work, so it's not worth So by not programming it, I'll just say, okay, you got 15 minutes to do what you want to do. The men go to the bench press and the curl rack uh, and the women stretch and do crunches. And it's like, well, okay, win-win. But what was great about the program was that you could have in two weeks, a room full of, I mean, we're talking 50 boys. My class was all male. You would have 50 boys in cohorts of four doing power clean military front squat and bench press. And we would spot each other and we went quickly. And I took it as a point of pride. I started out at this bar. Um, are you okay with pounds or kilos? What would be better for you? Kilograms. Okay. So, you know, this bar is 20 kilograms. Uh, I was very, I, I, then I moved to the 22 kilogram area. And then pretty soon I was at the 30. And then the 35 and then the 40 and then the 45 and then the 50. And I don't know how much heavier I went after that because I don't remember very well because it was 1971. But uh, the idea is that by getting those um, 18 reps, if you got all 18 reps, you moved up next time. And I found that I loved it. And here's the thing. At the end of the workout, we took all the weights up off the bars. We stuck them in a closet. Teacher locked the closet door, and you didn't even know that there had been a room full of people lifting weights. That's the way it was back then. Uh, we didn't have, uh, uh, we call them here in the state standards, but uh, it's the thing that holds the weights, like for squats or bench press. All right, yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, the, like a squat rack with yeah. the, little, the little things there. Squat rack, the adjustable one. We didn't have them, so when you did front squats, you cleaned it, then front squat. And when you bench press, you lay down and your teammates would put it up on over your chest. I read and, somewhere down. Uh, so you have, I think I read in one of your one of your books or an article that you, you found it people hold the bar better when when people actually lift the bar onto when they're on the floor rather than them getting it off the rack themselves. Yes. Because you, you slide it, they bring it to you instead of you bringing it over, which binds everything up. You get it here. Uh, yeah. And also, too, all three spotters have to be on task. Because the two pick up, the middle guy spots the face, but everybody has to be on task. Right. And I found that very helpful for, for teaching later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one every couple of weeks, we would have special, or we would run out of time, and coach would tell us to combine things. And uh, that's when I discovered combining the clean and press, eight cleans, eight presses was very tiring. And then when you combine the clean, the press, and the front squat, that was exhausting. And that was my first exposure to complexes. And then, uh, then I, later when I was older, I read these Japanese uh, uh, lifters in the mid-60s who trained complexes almost exclusively most of the time, and then when they started getting ready for competition, would then break the lifts down into just snatch and clean, uh, clean and press, snatch and clean jerk. And then I read the great Soviet lifter, Vasily Alexiev. He didn't believe, and ba- he did almost nothing but complexes, which I still challenge people to, to, to rethink. And then, of course, about 20 years ago, somebody invented complexes, even though a lot of us had been doing them for generations, but you know, somebody has to invent them. So I always have to put this person's name uh, in the work because I'll get 20 emails. That's not true. The, the Japanese didn't do these in 1963. They had to be invented later. Okay. Uh, but the complex, uh, in fact, 
I'm to the point now, Dave, that for fat loss clients, I have moved away from almost, and by the way, I'm an American, every client I have is fat loss, okay? We are quickly becoming the hippopotami of the world. So uh, we're very proud of that. Uh, we, we lead the nation of uh, the world in COVID. Yay, USA, USA. Our, our streets are burning every night because of riots. Yay. And we're the fattest generation of all time. USA. Yeah. I tell you. That's, it's, it's, so, 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 here we go. Come on. We're, we're staying ahead, man. Yeah. No. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're like Herb Elliott, the 60 Olympics in Rome. We're, we're, we're pulling away. <laughs> um, the, the so now? Because so, um, with the complex, you can get a lot of work done in a short amount of time. And but let me add one more thing to this. Sorry, Dan. So say like you have a fat loss client. If you do three sets of a complex, or if you, I read somewhere yesterday, you should do eight sets of eight in a complex. And I thought, uh... I can't imagine doing it. I do three sets of eight in the snatch complex, uh, mm -hmm. what I call complex C, and I'll look over at my training mates and it's like, you call you know, call an ambulance right now because yeah, you know I'm I'm just say say save the press on the button, okay? But fall but fall here, complexes followed by a walk or a walk with weights, a ruck. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so the complexes light the match and you burn all the sugar off. Then you go for that uh, one mile, two mile, that one to three kilometer walk. And the whole time you're walking, the energy system being used is probably going to be fat. Right, okay. And here's what's interesting. If you do it, if you start your walk, <sighs> while you're still... Uh, Breathing like this, that first uh, 200 meters or so, you'll be like, this is a stupid idea. And then you can feel, literally feel the energy systems change. Right. Yeah, all of a sudden you'll go, okay, this isn't so bad. And that moment there, I'm thinking that you're changed, you, you changed from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. Right. And, uh, I'm telling you, how far would any you of your people are, how far? Yeah. Well, you know, certainly we, we, on Monday and Friday, I go for about an hour, but it could be as short as 20 to 30 minutes. It, it, it doesn't really matter. And the nice thing is like that place that, um, that aviary place that was, I was talking about at, so there's, it's called the tickle. It's either the twisted trout or the tickled trout, but, Right across the street from there, my wife and I went to the aviary, and we thought we would do a 10-minute walk. Well, we got to the aviary, four hours later, we got back, because that's when you know you have a good walk, Yeah, is when you say, I'm just going to do this, and you, and you just keep going. That's why I like to always go out and back, uh, if that makes sense, uh, making loops around. Uh, I mean, if you have a big park, that'd be fine. But the problem with going loops is it's very, e it's very easy to stop. Whereas if you go out, if it feels good, yeah. oh, it's good, then you have, you have to come back somehow. Yeah. So um, you could probably get away with, honestly, maybe 10 minutes. Maybe just uh, half, half uh, you guys, uh, are you kilometers or miles where you live? Miles. Okay, so half a mile. Right, okay. So it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be crazy. But here's the thing, if you walk half a mile and you come back, that magically becomes one mile. <laughs> and that's not bad. Thank you. And uh, I found, so I do a, so I use a heart rate monitor from uh, Phil Maffetone that's earbuds, okay? Because the chest ones don't work that well for me. Um, mm -hmm. And the hand ones, uh, kettlebells hit them and break them, so. Um, I move use here, but what I've discovered for me is that I put on, when I do my walk, I wear ankle weights that weigh about two kilos and I carry hand weights that weigh about one kilo, 1 1.5 maybe. 
And I, when I walk, I pump my arms. But the thing about the ankle weights, it feels like you're walking in deep sand. <laughs> so that, by wearing, having the ankle weights and the light hand weights, I keep my heart rate at an average of, well, somewhere around 107 to 117, which is what the number should be at my age. Yeah. And I can keep that up for one hour with a very gentle walking style. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, the, the, it's, it's a nice, deliberate yeah. pump. Now, you know, um, the, that would be something I would like your listeners to think about a little bit. So you would do something to get your heart rate burning. And a complex could be something as simple as uh, you could do five uh, calisthenic moves back to back to back to back. Let me just, guys, just make up something real quick. Like maybe, do you you guys call it a jumping jack? So a jumping jack, then something something on the floor, like a push-up, and then then march in place, and then something back on the floor, like maybe a a sit-up, a a crunch variation, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, I don't know, uh, some kind of jumping squat or something. So you you the getting up and down off the ground, by the way, gets the heart rate through this guy. So if you did, I don't know, 15 seconds of each of those and then stopped, you would find your heart rate really jumped high. Right. Do that for three rounds and then instantly go for a walk. While you're still on that last round, while you're still like, I hate Dan John. He's so stupid. I hate that son of a instantly go walking about a minute, two minutes, three minutes into the walk, you'll feel that. Oh, and that's when you're probably into the fat brain stage. Right. Okay. Okay. And if you can do it while fasting, it'd probably even be better. All right. So maybe first thing in the morning, that would be a good workout to do first thing in the morning before you even eat. Yeah. Or, you know, or, or as appropriate, I, I, when I work with people, I always say, you know, oh, we, you know, make sure you get a good cup of coffee inside you because uh, what will happen to some people if they walk that mile out, all of a sudden uh, that coffee will kick in. And uh, let's just say the walk back is going to be a little bit uncomfortable as you try to, and your eyes will be looking for a toilet the whole time, you know. <laughs> yeah. So generally I tell people, have that cup of coffee take care of your elimination, then do it. Yeah. And that's a hard lesson to learn. You learn that lesson once, ideally. <laughs> so when we're looking at complexes, done. what sort of rep range did you say we're looking at through each exercise? So say you're doing five exercises in a complex, what rep range for each exercise are you looking at? If it's a barbell, uh, I suggest eights because that's an easy number. And if you add, if it gets heavier, slide to fives and threes. So it can be done progressively. A set of eight, uh, five exercises, set of eight, go heavier. Five exercises, set of five, go heavier. Five exercises, set of three. That works. Staying with one weight, all for sets of eight, works. Uh, If you're going to do something that's body weight, I would suggest using the clock. Um, Because jumping jacks, you know, well, you certainly could say I'm going to do 20 jumping jacks. But the problem is now your brain is counting too many things. Right. Whereas if yeah, I like, a, I have those cheap old school clocks in my gym with the second hand. So <clears throat> you start the 12. When you get to the six, you do something else. <clears throat> when it comes back to the 12, you do something else. Yeah. And then that way it kind of frees the brain up. And the other thing I always do is I always type up the complex with really big letters and print it and put it on the ground in front of you. So you're not even wasting brain space. Um, uh, think about what's next. <clears throat> if you type, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, if you type Dan John complexes, the second thing that comes up on Google is my PDFs of my complexes. And you just print those off, put them in a plastic thing. And we just, we just put them on the ground. So you never have to waste your, your brain is focused on the eight, not the what's next. Yeah, of course, yeah. So um, yeah. moving on from the, the complexes, if you, if you were to integrate that into a program, 
does that come under a bus bench workout or a park bench workout? Could you go into what? what? Well, now that's okay. So for the listeners, um, years ago, uh, I worked for Archbishop George Niederauer. Great, great man. A blessed memory. I really liked him. He was, he really was an intelligent guy and we got along well. Well, one day I'm reading an article and I see the name as George Niederauer and it was spelled incorrectly. And I asked him, I sent down the article to him. I said, is this you? And he goes, yes. And he said, they spelled my name wrong. But he had this vision of prayer as two kinds of prayer, bus bench prayer, where you're expecting something to happen. Okay. Dear God, stop the COVID virus. And if this COVID virus doesn't work, doesn't, isn't stopped the next minute, obviously there's no God. And then there's a park bench where you, you just say, you just kind of sit okay, dear Lord, it's good to be alive. Okay. So those are two kinds of prayers. A bench is a bench is a bench. If you put a bench at a bus stop, okay, you're expecting a bus to come by. Same bench in the middle of a park, you have no expectations. So I took that crate concept and applied it to our training. There's two kinds of workouts. There's bus bench programs where you're expecting results. And that's what the internet is filled with. Uh, you know, tighter, tighter tummy in 10 days, uh, Titanic triceps in 14 days. Um, you know, you know, uh, you know, a quadrillion quadriceps in, I don't, I don't know what, yeah, okay, I lost it right there. Yeah. Um, that's what most of your listeners want, and it, the results. And in fact, uh, there's a, James St. Pierre's place uh, is called, you know, is it James's place called Results Fitness? There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I agree with him. Um, the, the other kind of training is what I think most people should do. It's called park bench. It's where three days a week you go in and you push, pull, you do loaded carries, you do your hinge, your squat, you do your joint mobility work, and you go for a walk. And you do that fasted, and then you eat protein, veggies, you drink some water, you eat some sauerkraut for your digestive system. Later on, you protein, veggies, drink some water, and then later on in the day, protein, veggies, drink some water, and then you get nine hours of sleep, and you do that for 365 days, and magically, all your dreams come true. Um, if you want to be a great discus thrower, you lift weights three days a week, you throw discus four days a week, and you do that for eight years, and magically, after eight years, you're really good. Um, I'm much bigger believer in the park bench. So complexes could certainly be on either side. So I use complexes in my program called Mass Made Simple because of the feedback I got from my athletes. Uh, I knew they were doing well is when the athletes started asking me for copies of the complexes of the sheets for their dads because their dads were noticing how much leaner and more powerful the kids were looking. Right. And then pretty soon all the fire departments around me were doing the complexes as their training programs. <laughs> and so that's when I realized that complexes were bigger than they thought. So if you're on a program, like you want to do a six-week fat burn thing, or you're getting ready to go on a vacation, where do you, where do the Brits go for the, there's, you guys got some islands you guys go to, right? Um, there's like Greek islands, there's um, Crete yeah. around there. That, that, yeah. yeah, I know, I know some of the ladies go to Jamaica. I saw a movie about that, but right. I don't think that's for them. Um, but, you know, if you want to look good on the beach in six weeks, <laughs> complexes are a great bus bench workout right if you want to train you know three days a week 52 weeks a year uh complexes are a great dose they're a great thing to add uh with those kind of complexes if you're going to do a park bench um i have these olympic lifting complexes that are only four exercises or three exercises sorry about that uh, sorry about that noise. And, and those would be more appropriate to the park bench vision of things. So, yes, they have value, but you have to you have to just adapt slightly on both sides. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I'm I'm, str I'm struggling with, I'm, I'm getting my head around it a little bit, but in a, in terms of a, a park bench workout, 
you you don't always need to leave the gym um sort of what's the word i'm looking for going to failure on your exercises you can leave the gym with some left in the tank and i think that's no, what no. i struggle with you, Sorry, go on. you should leave the gym feeling better than when you came in right yeah in fact it's the exact opposite of yeah you and that's the hardest thing for the for americans to because even atheists in America believe that the reason they got fat was from the seven deadly sins, sloth or sloth and gluttony. And they believe that the only way around it is to starve and be a sweaty mess. And that's just not, that's just not true. And uh, so what a park bench, sorry, this thing, my computer decided to reboot. Uh, I'm trying to tell my computer, shut up. Uh, so I believe that the push, the pull, and the squat, we should use Tom DeLorme's numbers of basically about 15 to 30 total reps, which is three sets of eight, five sets of five, five sets of three, three sets of five. It can be pretty simple. Yeah. Push, pull, squat. So three sets of eight in the overhead press, three sets of eight in the lat pull down, three sets of eight in the front squat. That's a great workout. That's, by itself, that's a great workout. With the hinge, it depends on whether you're doing a deadlift or a swing, but let's just say it's a deadlift. If it's a deadlift, stay, stay in the same numbers. You can do five sets of five in the trap bar deadlift, and then you're gonna pick up some farmer bars and go back and forth a few times, and you're done. Right. Go for a walk after that, you're finished. And people will say, well, that's not what I read in the magazine. Right. And most people never finish any workouts anyway, because and if you did that three doses a week of that, and you ate like an adult, and you got your sleep, miracles happen. <laughs> and that's, that's a very difficult thing to learn. So I, you know, I've made a lot of progress in the last year and a half, and people keep asking what my secret is, and, I, and I'll tell them all the things, and, they, and they, the, the number one thing, they keep thinking, well, no, really, what are you doing? In fact, I had a guy on my Instagram account uh, accuse me of using drugs because I've improved so much, and it's like, dude, it's not drugs. It's, it's coming back. I've been lifting weights since 1965. It's, it's all those doses of intelligent workouts. Yeah. You know, how do you become a great, how do you read all the great books? Well, the great books reading program, you start off with 15 minutes a day. Originally, when I first started doing the great, when I got back from the Middle East, I was very ill uh, from a liver parasite. And so one of the things I did, I decided to reboot myself, was academically to, to read the great canon of Western civilization. And I start off with 15 minutes a day. Well, if you read 15 minutes a day over three, four, five years, yeah. you're going to have read a lot of great stuff. Mm -hmm. There are days with a book like The Brother Karamazov where I would get, I'd read 45 minutes or an hour. There are days where I would knock out the Iliad and be halfway through the Odyssey before I realized, oh, that was an hour or two of my life. Um, if you're reading a book like Dune or The Sword and the Stone or The Godfather, you might read those books for six or seven hours before you realize that. But here's my point. In about two years, you'll be one of the most well-read people on the planet. Well, and someone's going to say, how did you read all those books? And you'll say, well, you know, I, I started reading 15 minutes a day. No, no, really, how'd you do it? Well, I, I started reading 15 minutes a day. No, seriously, what's your secret? Uh, and then you have, to, you have to make up some luck. I took a speed course, you know. I, I, you know, I, I, I take this drug that allows me to. No, man, it's. So what's going to happen with, with most of your clients, most of your listeners, is that that phrase we use all the time, little and often over the long haul, that's how you become rich financially. That's how you make your relationship better, you know. How often do I tell my daughters and wife I love them? Every chance I get. You know, someone said not long ago I have a good dog. It's because I do the things a good dog owner is supposed to do all the time, every day, a little bit. 
Uh, how often should you eat protein, vegetables, and drink water? I'd say often, yeah. <laughs> over the long haul. Uh, so that it, it, it comes out, and I'm sure by now the listener is going, I haven't learned a single thing yet because this is so logical and simple. Yeah, and that's why I can't sell it, folks. You should drink more water. I can't sell you water. Well, unless you're in the United States and they came up with a way to figure it out about <laughs> bottled water. Folks, if you buy bottled water, don't talk to me. And that's why you have no money, too. Uh, two, how do you, how do you make a, a, a huge savings account? Oh, by saving. How? Well, a little bit every week for a long time. Yeah. Uh, how do you have a good relationship? Well, spend quality time with them over a long time. Uh, it, how do you get really strong in every lift? Well, you do it three days a week you know, for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, yeah, yeah. sneaking up on 60 years now. Yeah. I think after, like I said before, be, before reading, um, never let go. I was, I was buying the, the muscle magazines, the flex and the muscle and fitness year, year subscriptions constantly. I had a big part of these magazines. Once I, you bought, once I bought your book and read it, that was it. The subscription stopped and I just had your one book and I keep referring back to that. So like you said, the logic is it doesn't actually sell, does it? I'm just, I've just got this one book, but that replaces years and years worth of subscriptions to the magazines. <laughs> you know, I have 14 books, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've read, I've read a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Readers, you got to buy them. I got to send my grandkids to college. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you wouldn't mind, I just want to move on to a few like specific questions about strength. Um, yeah, go ahead. So about six months ago, I run a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu academy. So that is my main main sport, main activity. And about six months ago, because uh, I was running the, the academy and I was struggling with time, I neglected my own strength and conditioning training. And what I found was I was picking up a lot of injuries. And then recently, at the start of a lockdown, I've implemented the strength and conditioning back in. And I'm feeling my injuries because I'm resting a little bit more and I've got better recovery. My injuries are getting better. What is the significance of the strength training to avoid an injury? Well, so I can't tell you who they are, but I work with a number of ultimate fighters, UFC guys, okay? And uh, for those guys, I the thing they like best about what I tell them is I put them all on the program called Easy Strength, where they lift five days a week, but the workouts last about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, I, we use the rule of 10, which means no more than 10 reps, never miss, never miss, which is the hardest thing. Uh, in fact, I always tell them, leave two or three reps in the tank. So you, you put, pick five exercises. Here are the three that work. The vertical press, overhead military, double kettlebell press overhead. Vertical pull, which is pull-ups, lap machine, whatever. A deadlift variation, trap bar deadlift works best with these guys. Mm -hmm. um, ab wheel, uh, one set of 10. No, don't go crazy. And then the fifth one is the tough one. Uh, for these guys, I have them do some kind of loaded carry every day. And don't go crazy. Very often for them, I ask them to do the bear hug carry because that's the, the closest to what they need. Yeah. And sometimes... Well, we won't worry about the specifics. So on the three big lifting movements, you can do five sets of two, two sets of five, three sets of three, but never miss. And the weirdest thing is the one young man who, who's a lighter weighted guy, he's sneaking up to a double body weight uh, bench press now. He's way over a double body weight deadlift. And he goes, I don't know how this is happening. But I ask him about, well, do you notice anything on your fighting? He goes, yeah, I, once I, if I lock you down, you're not going anywhere because his grip is so freakishly strong now. Nice. So with fighters, I recommend, it's weird because I tell fighters to, to train more often, but with less time mm -hmm. because my job is to make you stronger. Your conditioning happens on the mat. Uh, that's the number one thing I don't get with the modern fighter. Why are you pushing wheelbarrows up of a, a mountain? Now I get, I got nothing against. I think that's good for work capacity, but dude, that ain't nothing like fighting. You know, 
Your conditioning on the mat is what you need to be doing. My job is to supplement. So with, with fighters, uh, I have them do easy strength. So a vertical push, a vertical pull, deadlift, ab wheel, a loaded carry. Boom, we're done. Right. Uh, occasional bouts of hill sprints, one or two days a week, or stadium steps, whatever is appropriate, because they tell me it helps them. And then some kind of, uh, some kind of appropriate cardio nonsense that, they, that makes them feel happy. But honestly, honestly, it's, it's what you're doing on the mat. Yeah. Easy strength supplements, better than anything else. I was just reading an author last night, Dave, which is fascinating. I, I don't know if he knows my work, but this author is a body fat loss specialist, and his training programs are now basically easy strength followed by long walks. Oh, I just I read that and I thought, oh my God, I never thought of, I never thought of easy strength. The, that's what the, the title of the program, don't worry about it. Yeah. I never realized that easy strength could be a body fat loss program. So right. now I'm going to write up some nonsense, <laughs> sell it, make a million dollars, buy a yacht, yeah. cruise over to Manchester and have a, have a beverage with you. Yeah, definitely. So what is it about the actual strength training then that helps prevent the injury? Just making your body more robust, more resilient? Is that what is that what's happening there? You know, we I, I hear this a lot. I don't know how we would ever kind of prove that this works. But once you see the same thing happen over and over again, like I notice when I drink seven martinis. I tend to make bad decisions after that. So when I get to my sixth martini, you know, I, my point is, is that sometimes, man, it just works because it works. And that's my whole, my whole career is based on experiential evidence. I trust the evidence of people more than I trust the science. Mm -hmm. um, we have a phrase, we just, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah. So if it's working, man, just nod your head and keep plowing ahead. You know, don't, don't ask questions, brother, because that's, once you, yeah, don't, don't ask why. So why does lifting weights make the discus go far? I don't know, that's why, but I'm gonna lift weights because it goes farther. Yeah, so sometimes we just need to, to, to shush and keep moving on, man. I will do, yeah. <laughs> so what about um, strength training for, I'm 39 now, we have a lot of people, um, interested in lifting who were, who were sort of 40 plus mm -hmm. strength training for the older athlete but either people sure. who have trained consistently throughout the life and or people who are brand new at 40. the best summary summary i've ever heard in my life was someone on my uh, forum he's he said first you olympic lift then you power lift then you bodybuild so let's just use that I use uh, Nick Rain's uh, numbers. So basically up to age 16, you should do as many things as you possibly can, play as many sports and games, and learn every exercise under the sun. From 16 to 35, that is, that is when, if you're smart, you don't get fat, you don't get hurt, you don't break your joints. But that is the prime time. That is, the, that is when you should Olympic lift, do explosive stuff. From 36 to 55, that's when you, you really need to start training more like what you read in the magazines. Um, you really should start thinking more and more because your lean body mass starts to go in the wrong direction at about 36. Right. Uh, it's funny because you say that and people who are, you know, and I'm sure there's someone who's a researcher going, no, there's no evidence about that until you turn 36 and you go, how did I get fat? What, what, I just, what happened there? I so lean, got fat. Um, so at 36 or so, it's joint mobility and hypertrophy bodybuilding work with, with the ballistic component kept in some more. After, after 55, 56 plus, that's, that's my range, um, you really need to start, well, that's when lean body mass really starts to go south. It, it's shocking. And that's the important time to make sure. But I am reaping 
reaping the benefits of my lifetime of habits right now. I just had my blood profiles done and my doctor's very excited about how good my blood profiles look. My dentist loves the fact that my teeth have almost no tartar and no plaque at all. Okay. Well, how did I, twice a day? Twice a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's simple. I mean, uh, you know, I do all the things they say to do. You harvest your habits in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and you harvest your habits. If you decide to smoke, you harvest that habit. If you decide to be obese, if, listen, you can get away with anything until 55, and then this, the angel of death shows up. So where you're, what we need you to think about, sorry about my nose itching so much this morning, what you need to think about uh, with your training now is you need to start becoming a bit more like a choir director. You're going to need joint mobility. You're going to need traditional bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. You're also going to need some ballistic work. You're also going to need some power work. You need to go on long walks, ride your bicycle, go swimming, uh, don't smoke cigarettes. Uh, so right now you have to kind of conduct all that stuff into uh, an, a, a system. Uh, you could do it as simple as, you know, you could do it. I'm just spitballing this, but you could have a powerlifting day, uh, you could have an Olympic lifting day, and you could have a bodybuilding day, and then a f mobility flexibility day. Nice. That's well, that's not bad. That's that's not bad. So Monday, uh, Monday snatch and clean and jerk. Wednesday, uh, squat, bench press, deadlift. Uh, Thursday, whole body mobility day. Uh, Saturday, you train like whole body, Mr. Universe, repeat. Yeah. Or you can mix and match them up a little bit like I would more suggest. You, you know, alongside the, the mat work and the jujitsu and stuff like that, that could work alongside that as well. Well, now, you know, you're an athlete. You, you told me a, a different question. Sorry. Now, for an athlete, it's going to be easy strength and fighting. Okay. But for everybody else, make sure you keep separating those concepts out of your head. The second you said you're an athlete, then everything changed. Easy strength, go fight. But for everybody else, you could do something as simple as push, pull, squat, um, rule of 25, you know, that 15 to 30 range. For your ballistic work, you do kettlebell swings mm -hmm. or kettlebell snatches. And then you do loaded carries. And by the way, that's actually pretty damn good. So we'll stop right there. Yeah. It's something about them during the lockdown. I managed to buy um, a sandbag, so I've got a, a decent gym set up in my garage. But I bought um, a sandbag. I think it's like sixty-five kilogram sandbag, and Ooh. I've been playing around with that during the lockdown, doing some loaded carries. I don't know why I've never done before, really, but it's something I've been playing around with during the lockdown, and fantastic. Yeah, is that the I, best thing that we're not doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's two. Uh, doing an authentic deep squat, like the goblet squat. Do you know who invented the goblet squat? Pardon, say that again? Do you know who invented the goblet squat? I don't know. I've only heard, heard it from you as the first person who I've heard talk about the goblet squat. Okay. I don't know who invented yeah, it. Yeah, because I, I invented it. You're welcome. Yeah, All right. you're welcome. <laughs> so the goblet squat and loaded carries. Oh, pardon me, just a second. Yes, sir? Okay. Love you. Love you, honey. That was my wife. Um, thank you, Tiffany. Love you. And my dog is here now, too, because... She he follows my poor wife every place she goes. So, uh, yeah, so it, doing a goblet squat and loaded carries by themselves has transformed lots of people I work with, including full teams, actual full teams, because they would half squat 300 kilos and then, but couldn't goblet squat 24. All right. Well. And I'm not saying you have to go ass to grass on everything, yeah. but the mobility and the flexibility you get from the goblet squat, that's money in the bank in your athletic career. And of course, loaded carries are the best thing I know for work capacity. Mm -hmm. um, so there you go. Yeah, fantastic. I had um, probably going back three or four years ago, I had two knee operations. So I had the meniscus cut out of, of both knees. And um up until recently, I'd, I'd lost a lot of mobility in my knees, so I didn't have full full um, range of motion, so I couldn't get my ass to my heels. Um, but working on that mobility, not necessarily doing goblet squats with a kettlebell, 
but just doing a freestanding bodyweight squat all the way down and sitting in that sure. squat position has really helped to increase my mobility a lot. The reason I recommend the goblet is because the counterbalance allows most people to relax and slide into the deep position. Right. Hey Dave, I'm going to be under a ton of pressure here. Uh, I got, I've got uh, my Olympic lifters will be showing up here in a few minutes. Okay, no problem. So uh, let's 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 get to any more questions as, as soon as we can, and we can even schedule another one if you'd like. Okay, that'd be fantastic. So just just one more question then before we go. Uh, yeah. I know lifting forms a greater part of a philosophy that you you were um, preaching. It's written at the end of your emails. It's written at the end of your videos. The end of your books. Um, if I could just read it quickly and then I'd like you to just, just talk about it before we go. Sure. That's right. So make a difference, live, love, laugh, balance work, rest, play and pray, enjoy beauty and solitude, sleep soundly, drink water, eat veggies and protein, walk, wear your seatbelt, don't smoke, floss your teeth, put weights overhead, pick weights up off the floor, carry weights, reread great books and say thank you. Could you just expand on those? I know we've touched on a little bit of them already, but it's weights and training form a bigger philosophy that you preach. So. Here. Well, let's see, that's uh, somebody asked me to summarize my body of work, but they said, would you keep it short? Right. So that's 50 words. Right. That's <laughs> decades of knowledge in 50 words. Yeah. And uh, I stand by every one of those, and I always have until my, I think, like I said before, there's a good chance that uh, I'll change one of those. I just don't think I will. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think a lot of people, uh, our family motto is make a difference, which is why you'll notice I'm so easy to work with on podcasts, right. because I think it makes a difference. Maybe our conversation will help somebody uh, say thank you. And that's so simple. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's underrated. Um, I used to push back if someone said really nice things about me. I had to say something self-deprecating. And then one day someone took me aside and said, you need to say thank you. And I'm like, well, I'm, and boy, that, that was a light bulb change in my head. Uh, it's all fine to always be funny and self-deprecating, but I also have to appreciate that, like in your case, I, I think I made a difference in your life. Yeah, so yeah. I needed to say, hey, man, thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. Uh, it's an honor. My my father and mother would be very proud to know that I have changed your life. So I need to be much more careful about acknowledging my help to others. That's a strange sentence to say out loud, but that's my job. That's that's what I'm called to do. Yeah. So um, if you wouldn't mind, can you cut and paste that and put it in your show notes or make sure all the listeners get that? Course, I can yeah, and, I read it out so people can hear it. And but yeah, I will definitely put it on the show notes. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I've people have sent me pictures from their gym with that mounted. I'm not talking about a small thing painted up on the wall, wow. um, but that whole all those 50 words. And what the one gym owner told me he goes, you know, kind of when in doubt, I just look at the wall. You know, someone will come in and say, um. I'm a Virgo and I'm an ectomorph and I, I'm an ACR, GGB. I have LKP and G, that's a very American thing, you know, a lot. You know, you have, you have all these things and they'll be like, what kind of workout should I do? Well, you put weights overhead, pick them up off the ground, carry them and go for a walk. Yeah. And uh, the devil's in the details, of course, but the idea is, yeah, that's going to work, you know, mm -hmm. that's going to work. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to do about diet eat protein and veggies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you eat protein and veggies at every meal? No. I want you to eat veggies at every meal. I don't like vegetables. And you can't be surprised that you're... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you for, for, for mentioning that. That's... Uh, um, it's the... I just sent in my, uh, my, my first draft of my new book. And that is the very last thing I say in the book, is that, those 50 words. Yeah. And then I repeat it and say, thank you. Yeah. No, it's yeah. fantastic. And uh, you did so, make a difference uh, in my life. And hopefully people are going to listen to this and it'll make a difference in theirs as well. But uh, I appreciate you're a busy man. And I just want to thank you again for taking oh, the time to talk this morning. 
And if you and if people want if to do if we want to do this again, and people have follow up questions, have them send them to you. We'll, and then we'll just kind of go, maybe the next talk we can pick up on what we were discussing and then maybe ask some specific, answer some specific questions, okay? Great uh, stuff, on. Dan. Thank you very much for your time this morning. I appreciate it. And it was an honor to speak to you. Really privileged. My best to you. And please send me the links when this comes out and I'll put them on my newsletter, okay? I will do, definitely. Thank you very much, All Dan. Right. Thank you, my friend. Take care. See ya.